Australia in four, the United States in five. Off, McKenzie at the bottom, Stubbins above her, Schlanger in six, then to the yellow lane, Henry. Queen start, Newell's got into the water quickly, but so did Joyce. For short of Germany was away well. They'll go to the wall all together, pick that one. Bloomer, in fact, ahead of Manuel and Hirsch Amenya. What a shot, Peterson stumps her authority on another 200 breaststroke. Now Henry is starting to come at her. Henry's throwing Linden down. Linden and Henry. Henry and Linden. They hit it. Jody Henry of Australia shading. Jenny Thompson has taken the lead here. The Australians have only won this race once. It was with Dawn Fraser in 1956. Henry's moving away. She's going to win it for Australia. This has been a remarkable last leg. Jody Henry is going to bring Australia home for what will be yes! big <laughs> And welcome for another week of the Shannon Rollison podcast. Now, we've been promising you an interview, and we have one today, none other than the Australian swimming head coach, Mr. Rowan Taylor. As I introduce the boys, Shannon, obviously the star of the podcast, and Rowan Taylor himself. Boys, how are we today? Yeah, we're good, mate. How are you going? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Shannon, yourself? Yeah, very well, Robbie. Rowan, thanks for uh, your time. No worries, Shannon. Great to be here. I appreciate uh, you having me on. Well, look, we needed a guest and we thought you were the best one to get because it's all happening at the moment in Swimming Australia and uh, people are getting sick of just hearing Shannon and I talk every single week. Um, the ratings are showing that. So we needed a spike in ratings and I thought Rowan is the man to help us spike well, those ratings. I, I don't know about that, but uh, if, I, if I can, I'll do my best. <laughs> um, I want to kick off the show by just saying uh, our thoughts are, are with all the flood victims uh, for up north in New South Wales and in Queensland and anywhere else that's been affected. Um, it's been crazy. I know down here today is the first time the sun's out and uh, it's a, actually a, not a bad day outside. Um, but yeah, for anyone... Um, who's been affected, our thoughts are with you. I know I saw some crazy, Rowan, you probably would have seen this too, some crazy photos out of Lismore and all sorts of stuff. Um, have you had much contact with the, the coaches or, or the, the clubs in that area, you know, even in Queensland as well? Oh, mainly the Brisbane area. There was a few um, programs that were affected. Uh, the Millers, Bob and Steve Miller with uh, Lizzie Deckers, I was – going to see them at Newmarket, but that Newmarket was, you couldn't even see the pool. It was that filled with water mm. at the time. And so they, they had moved to another pool. So it seemed to be in pockets in Brisbane. Um, there were some athletes that couldn't get to training because they couldn't get out of uh, their homes as far as like the roads were closed so that, you know, couldn't get, couldn't get out. But uh, everybody seemed to be able to navigate around it and find a way to train. Um, if they could get out of their house, they were finding somewhere to swim, but yeah. Yeah, no, it was, um, yeah, some of those photos were crazy. And I was, I think I was telling Shannon on the weekend, I saw something on a current affair. One of the, uh, there was a farm that was flooded and there was like 65 cattle that all swam towards the house because the house wasn't quite under yet. And then they had the 65 cattle come up and they were all like on their deck and around the house and some were coming <laughs> in the house and uh, it was, it was crazy scenes. So, 
Uh, yeah, now our thoughts go to all those guys. I hope, um, I think at the moment the, the weather's sort of pulling back now and, and hopefully we can kind of get on top of that. There's many different um, websites and stuff to go to if you do want to help any of the flood victims and giving, um, I think you can give some clothes and stuff like that as too, as well as donations. So uh, I just wanted to start with that. Now, obviously, boys, we've had uh, a big weekend, um, well, last weekend of racing, Um you know, we're both. We would have all looked in different eyes. Rowan, obviously, you've got to have you've got to have your eyes wide open and look wide across. Shannon and I get to be a little bit more narrow focused. Um, I'll go to you first, Rowan. How did you see the weekends racing at New South Wales State Open? Um, well, that this meet always signals that you know you, you know trials are around the corner. Um, it's kind of like that that last real hit out. We get a lot of of of, of athletes across the country, you know, pretty much it's almost like a nationals as far as the attendance and the quality. Um, and it's your last chance to make adjustments uh, off the back of it uh, based on how the athletes perform. So, uh, you know, there'll be some that are cherry ripe looking good. They're on track. There's some that, you know, maybe were a bit flat, um, but again, probably coming off a, a, a solid workload and, uh, you know, rest is the answer or at least sharpening them up. Um, so from my perspective, uh, there were no surprises really um, uh, that to, to me, uh, you know, the, I think the ones that swam quite well, Kaylee had swum recently uh, at, uh, at Vicks. So, you know, I, I knew she was in a little bit of form. So and I think everybody else knew that. Um, but yeah, I didn't have really any surprises and just getting around chatting with coaches, I think probably uh, getting an idea where, where the athletes were at and what the, what the plans were going forward. So we have an extra, what, four weeks added on or five weeks added on to the, to the preparation for the trials and specifically the trials. So that's probably helpful. Um, I, would think, I would suggest it be helpful, um, but, but it also can be, if, if you don't have a plan and you're not planning, um, then it could be a little bit of a problem because you might, you might lose your way. <laughs> so if uh, some coaches who, who, who maybe don't plan as well as, as, as others might have a, a bit of a struggle up to what to do for that extra five, but uh, hopefully they, uh, that they know, they know where they're at, where they need to go. Mm. Shannon, what about you, mate? How was your weekend? Uh, very good. Um, I had one swimmer who went that couldn't swim in the end because he got uh, hit um, coming up in the warm up. Um, he ended up with a black eye. So uh, someone was doing it. Some Queenslander was doing um, uh, a flat out 25 in a crowded lane. So good on him. Um, anyway, uh, so, yeah, that was probably the, the biggest uh, disappointment. So he, he didn't get to swim. So we stood him up on Monday night and did a couple of time trials. But apart from that, everyone I took um, – did a PB in some event at some point in the weekend. So I'm, I'm was really happy with where they're at. And uh, as I said to you guys earlier, now we've got to start climbing the mountain. Um, two swimmers really stood out to me. Uh, and, you know, obviously there was uh, a lot of good swimming. And, and you know, he, normally this meet in the past is about four weeks out um, of a major is, you know, it's, what, 10 or something now. So um, so it is um, people have got a little bit more time to adjust things and stuff. But uh, the two swimmers that stood out for me was um, Bella Grant, 
I thought she swam really well from Trinity. And, mm. uh, well 16 done. year old girl. Yeah, well done, Ben. Doing a good job there. Uh, and Kia Melverton. So I thought she was outstanding. Um, she went a 156, I think, from yeah, memory. That was very good. 156 and a two. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she even did a decent turn of breaststroke. Yeah. Um, and uh, so she's with Dean Boxall, and, you know, Dean's doing a great job with her. So, uh, you know, in her mid 20s and um, probably being exposed to some different style of work. And um, and that's probably, you know, given her another lease of lease of life. So it'll be interesting to see how she finishes the season off. Yeah, clearly responding to it. I, I, I Similar to you, I saw her in a many different events that I might not normally see her in. And, yeah, she, she was killing it. Um, mm-hmm. Shannon brings up a good point, Rowan. I mentioned it while I was there to a couple of coaches. Mate, you're the man to speak to. Maybe you can start to push some, push some, um, you know, push this idea out there. Is there any chance of getting a 50 meter pool like similar to how Chandler has it uh, at SOPAC? Because God damn, that that warm up pool is crazy. That's just stay open. I remember we had a national age not long ago, and 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 it was nuts. Has that ever been broached in terms of a topic? Obviously, maybe. Uh, people have brought to you or it's been banded around? I'm really not putting a 50-meter pool in. The conversation is always about if, if Sydney's going to host a meet, that we need the we need the other 50 down in the leisure pool area yeah. uh, available for, for warm-up, that, that we've made it clear that, you know, you need another 50-meter pool access for warm-up. That's why, obviously, yeah. Adelaide, Adelaide's got a great setup, mm-hmm. as well as having some 25-meter down the far end. So not necessarily around building a pool, but accessing that 50 that's there. Yeah. I think that's really important. It well, comes down to cost aspect too. Well, we had it years ago, Ron. Remember when um, 96, someone asked me the other day um, when, when the pool was actually built, and I said, well, it must have been like 94, 95, because 96, the Olympic trials was, I think, the first competition. Yep. And I remember the 2000 Olympic trials the warm-up was in that 50-metre pool. So yep, yep. Um, that's, you know, it's been done before and, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, to me, that's, the, that's the, the, the solution that's right there. Mm-hmm. You're going to build a pool, you know, you, you, I guess you could if you go out the, the, the side where um, there is quite a lot of space there. Um, I think that's where, like, the, like the acrobatic kind of stuff's out there. Yeah, uh, you could you could easily fit a fifty there, mm. um, and and wh- it's whether they feel yeah. Again, it comes down to cost, but I think the, the the simple solution is getting access to that fifty, giving giving that fifty uh, to for during competition for warm up and swim down. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree. Well, uh, to their to their crowd at the moment, it's it's blocked off because they're doing all renovations to it mm. and all that sort of stuff. So it couldn't be helped this time. But I do know there's there was a nationals not long ago, age nationals. We were there, and you know most of it was down in that twenty five meter pool for warm up. And as you said, Shannon, it, it is nuts. Um, there's just people everywhere, and 
people trying to do stuff. I had my own problems. I was telling Shannon Rowan, I had a 14 year old girl. She wouldn't do pace in the pace lane because Ariane was in there and she was, she's just, I'm not going in that lane while she's in there. I said, come on, what a great opportunity. Let's go. Let's, let's warm up with her. No, no, I'm not going in there while she's in there. So we had to, we had to navigate around that. Um, mate, talking about Ariane, I want to take this opportunity to firstly, cause I haven't spoken to you since, uh, for a while. It was probably you know, last year. Um, congratulate you on the success. Uh, in Tokyo, most successful um, team. First, my question more goes towards just you as a person and as a coach, mate. Did you get much time after the Olympics to sort of process, you know, what had been achieved and the team's success? Or, you know, because you're the head coach, is it just, all right, let's get planning and where are we going next? Well, firstly, thank you. Um, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, the, the coaches do the work, the athletes do that. Uh, my role is to provide the environment to allow them to do what they do. And I was just, you know, fortunate to, to be in that position. I'd, I'd worked with Jocko, you know, for a few years on team and had had some involvement and, and, and awareness. Um, and, you know, a lot of work been put in Alex Bauman and a lot of people to, to create that vehicle for those, those coaches and athletes to go there. And, um, and, you know, my, my main aim was, was to, to provide a steady hand around and, you know, make sure that, you know, we got rid of any barriers that were in the way and really just empower them. But now I appreciate that. As far as re reflection goes, I had two weeks in uh, quarantine. Um, <laughs> a lot of reflection time there. Uh, and uh, the, the to answer the question, probably my mind was around was was was, yeah, looking at getting get going, planning going forward. But I didn't have the, I didn't have a job extension. So in quarantine, I, I, my 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 contract was going to be up at the end of September. Um, and, you know, I was just like, you know, what, what's the process going forward? You know, how are they going to go about it? So probably the first half, first, first half of quarantine was, um, am I going to have a, am I going to have an extension? What, what's my role going to be going forward? And then of course um, that was, was sorted out during that. And then the second half of, of quarantine, <clears throat> I can say this now, I'll probably get in trouble, but you know, you know, you're, you, there were there were impromptu meetings with Tamara Shepard and myself to try to get some plans in place because we had to recontract everybody. So everybody's contracts were up. So the whole high performance unit that needed to plan a three year uh, cycle to Paris <clears throat> all had to be re, re, reemployed or recontracted. Mm. Um, it was so there was all that had to happen, and then. The good thing was is that Alex had had locked in staging in in Chartres, which is outside of Paris. So we had that, and uh, you know, little did we know how much more chaos was was to come as far as campaigns changing and meets. But <clears throat> I think um, we just did our best to try to get a calendar in place and try to get as much certainty as we could. But it was um, put it this way: I didn't have much time to just sit and lay back and go, "How good was that?" But I will say this, I absolutely immensely enjoyed the Olympics and I was very present in the moment, which is probably one thing I really worked on wanting to be because I needed to be. But, and so I did enjoy those moments. Uh, it's a lot, lot different um, when you're not coaching someone. You can really, you can really enjoy them and, uh, and you can move on to the next one. You don't have to kind of – so, yeah, I, I, I had a blast. It was, it was, it was fun. And yeah, of course – the, the, the winning and, you know, the, the performances absolutely enhance that. But I think just the, just the campaign lead up and, and the staging and all those things, were, it, was, it was just a good vibe. It was really good. 
It's funny you say that, Rowan. One thing we sort of joke about here on the podcast, because quite often we will do uh, episodes on certain um, big meets, whether it's a big meet to Shannon or it's just a big meet in general. Um, you know, we started with 2004 Athens Olympics and we just sort of went through that and covered it. And, and I'll always say to, you know, as a fan of swimming, I'll bring to Shannon, oh, what about this race? Do you remember that? What did you think of that? And he'll be like, I wasn't. Where do you think I was? I was warming people up. What do you think I was sitting around just watching all this stuff? So it sort of brought to my yeah my attention. So luckily for you, yeah, this time. I mean, I'm not saying you weren't busy, but you were sort of, as you said, a little bit more present and able to appreciate those bigger moments. Absolutely, yeah. No, um, every 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 race you have to be observing and be and you know a lot of times. Um, and for me, one of the commitments I made was to connect with every athlete and every staff member every single session. So, you know, we, the fist bumping thing um, was uh, was clearly out of a COVID thing, you know, like the elbow, but the fist bumping thing. But it became um, kind of like my, like, hey, how you going? Just to just walk up. It, there was, didn't, nothing had to be said. And I would make it, I'd get there in the morning while everybody's getting ready to warm up. And I just, I just make a, you know, just tour around and, and just, just everybody. I'd make sure I knew. Everybody was there. It took me 30 minutes, but it was a way for I get a cup of tea or whatever and I, you know, have a chat. But I was, I'd go around just to make sure that everything, and then, you know, what are the race? What's the timeline? We have a whiteboard up in the, in the marshalling room, you know, who's racing when. So I, I made sure I was either in front of a TV if I was in the swim down pool or there. But a lot of times, too, the other thing that's really important is post race is to be, be there no matter what the outcome was. I, I felt that was important. And it wasn't like to have a chat or anything. It was just to just to just to acknowledge their effort. Um, and also, the other thing was is <clears throat> clearly you want to celebrate the gold medals and the medals. And you, but also for me, I didn't need to be that person running up and going, "How good was that?" It was tempered because they're getting it from everybody else. Mm. And I and I try to balance the acknowledgement of 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 a say a performance that wasn't up to their standard that they wanted and one that was great. It was, and so I felt measured and balanced in that, but. I just felt like when I reflected each day, I thought, geez, I, I was able to connect with pretty much everybody. It wasn't somebody I missed. Mm. And also I didn't, I was able to talk to them about their race. If, if the, you know, just had, how do you think that went? You know, they, I could have a conversation. I actually seen it. And uh, I think I feel like that was a really important, uh, well, it was enjoyable for me because I got to see everything and I got to really get a con the context of how we were going. But also um, when you're making decisions about relays and you're making decisions about, things like that, you know, you got to be aware of where everybody's at too. And, and Shannon knows better than anyone that, you know, you got to be, you got to know where these coaches and athletes are at if you're going to back them in to do something for you in a relay. And, um, you know, uh, Emma McKean's a perfect example. Um, if I just touch on this, you know, in the, the, the mixed medley relay, when we, when we put all the different um, scenarios together using, you know, the relay app that we had, which basically takes real time performances happening at the meet and works out what, what orders people might do, what is our best order, what's going to produce our best outcome. Um, it was always Emma in there um, in the freestyle part, right? So going that way. And um, she had the 50 free just before like six minutes. And I was like, I was like, well, before we make, before we, we rule her out, let's see if, if, if what, what she thinks and what Bolly thinks. And she's like, oh, I'll be right. I'll be right. Yep. I'm good. And of course she's swimming well. And Bolly's like, we trained for this. She, she, no problem. She'll back it up easy. 
And then we got her organized. We got her organized for her to swim in the swim down pool just there, so she could do a little bit of paddle. <clears throat> but that gave me confidence. Um, you know, it wasn't like, oh, I'll do my best. I hope I can back it up. She said, no, I'll be right. I'll do it. And it was like, okay, we're done. Let's make the decision. And uh, I think, um, you know, that those are things that, you know, you, you really need to be able to, um, one, have that open conversation with an athlete and coach and they feel comfortable, you know, either saying, look, I'm not, I don't think I'm right. And that, that, that probably was the conversation with Kaylee and Mooney about the 200 I am, if I kind of pivot to that. Mm. She just didn't feel comfortable that she wasn't confident she could back up. We both thought she could because the way she trains, but she did. And it was like, okay, well, that's that, you know, we don't want to jeopardize the hundred back final. If you're 200, you know, I think now she wants to have a crack at it as I understand, but you know, you got to have that relationship with them to, for them to be feel comfortable saying, you know, you know how they feel. And I think that helped me uh, be, be, clear around decision-making or as clear as could be. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a, um, that 50-meter medley double is, I remember with um, similar circumstance, but we didn't, the, the easy thing in um, with the Danish team in 2016, we didn't have a choice. We just had four <laughs> people. And, and uh, no matter how you swam in that 53, um, you had to, you, you know, Penilla was swimming in the, uh, the medley relay, anchoring it. And uh, and because of the result, which was uh, uh, yeah a bit of a shock to everybody, um, uh, that that was what we had to deal with trying to bring her down and and uh, get her head in the right space. I remember she went into the change rooms to get changed, and she came out in the same suit. <laughs> we had to get someone in there, someone in there to help her. Uh, Start focusing on, on the next twenty minutes because uh, time was ticking. Hey, um, just on one of those points you made, you know, as head coach, and you said, you know, and, and you know, it's great to hear, um, you know, some of those remarks. I remember um, a girl, I won't name her, but you know, she was on many teams, had many head coaches, and she said one of the things about that was so good about Don Talbot. Um, was that he came? He saw you when you swam bad, you know. And I, I think that's so important um, because, as you say, everybody's you know patting patting the good swims on 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 the back. It's it's a much tougher conversation, um, but also much more needed, isn't it? You know, swimmers feeling uh, and just even the people around what do i say so they say nothing but sometimes you know that, that's that's when you're really earning your your stripes i think it's yeah it, and it's acknowledging that it's okay to be yeah. disappointed and you know yeah and 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 you know you don't have to say much but you have to be empathetic you to be and you just have to be you know, it's that acknowledgement and okay. And then to follow up, yeah. you know, um, there was, uh, you know, we, we got a bit of criticism around um, uh, the, the, the women's four by two relay, as we all know, um, about the strategy or the outcome more than anything. I don't think the strategy was, was wrong, but the, the outcome. And one of, the, one of the girls on the team, which I think felt a bit bad. So I really made my, my, my point to get around 
and to acknowledge that we back, I back them in every, every, every time. And that, and in fact, they've done well and really, you know, you, you find that they'll, they'll read social media and, and that's what gets them down. It's like, just don't where we've got yet. Like this, you did a great job and we appreciate your effort. And, you know, it would have been easy to not just to miss that. Yeah. Right. Like, like, you know, and, but um, whether that, you know, I'm hopefully that, 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 that gave a little bit of uh, ease, but, um, but yeah, it's, 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 I, I do think it's a, it's a very valuable um, uh, thing, particularly when you're trying to maintain really good team. It's easy for athletes to just drift away. If they're not swimming well, just kind of move away from the group. And it's very obvious. Yeah. It's so obvious when it happens, particularly to their, to their teammates and, and that around and the coaches are struggling to try to pull them back and if you can help in that way help in any way to to keep them um you know positive as much as possible you know it doesn't have to be right then and there but following up with them after again as well yeah it's funny um yeah with relays yeah um social media would be so much worse now than than years gone by but you know, when the relay wins, uh, oh, well, they, they were always going to do that. And um, everybody's an expert. Um, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, anyone could have done it. When the, when the relay doesn't get the result it, it was supposed to get, whether it's a third, you know, a minor medal or, or, or the gold medal, um, you know, everybody's a critic. <laughs> And um, uh, and it's not just you know the swimmers, but also the coach as well, isn't it? You know, like um, because you know, as as a coach of a relay, you feel responsible as, as well um, for that result. And uh, so I'm I'm sure you would have you know had some long discussions. Yeah, with coaches as well. Yeah, we, you know, I thought, that I, I feel our process was really good. I think it's, uh, you know, you, you and I, we've been on teams together and, you know, the process starts fairly early. We have coaches that are appointed um, and, and, they, and they kind of do, we give them as many tools. Jess works quite well closely with them, giving them all the data and they have access. And during staging, we, we catch up and, 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 and it's not like, what are you doing? It's like, what are you thinking? And it's a discussion amongst the whole group. Everybody has the ability to have input, but ultimately, you know, that's where you have input, not like outside somewhere else. <clears throat> and then informing the athletes that, that there's a process going through, you're being considered, you know, if, if, it's, if it's obvious, it's obvious, right? But uh, um, there's no guessing. Um, and then when you, um, when, when you get to the decision-making, it's, uh, it's we're, all in, we're all in, we're back in 100%. I think one of the things is um, if, if an athlete's not on the relay, like say they swim the heat and they're not on, it's my, I'm the person who delivers the message. Let the relay coach talk to the ones that are in the final. I'll talk to the ones that are missing out. So that's, and that's kind of, I think, been a tradition anyway, um, or at least. No, I think you brought that one in. I've had, to, I've had to deliver the bad news on too many occasions. Oh, when you're the relay coach. Yeah, you have actually. <laughs> yeah, you're right. No, I, I, and I, I don't, and I do think, I, and, and I, I think, think that's a good move, Ron. Yeah, 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 yeah. But so when when the when when the four by two relay, I mean, within thirty seconds, the the journos wanted wanted a comment, yeah. right? You know, and uh, and uh, uh, Hutch spoke to Dean, 
And Dean's like, yeah, I'll go talk. I said, no, no, I'll go. I made, I made the call. Like I, I signed off on it. He goes, I'll go with you. I said, okay, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm standing. I walked up with a big smile on my face said, we just broke a world record, a bronze medal. How good's that? Oh yeah. But what happened? Why didn't you they say, Hey, we, we put a strap. Oh, would you change it? No, we wouldn't. That's the strategy. We went with it. This was the process. This athlete knew they were just swimming the heat. They put all in that final. You know, this athlete, like Molly, you know, she, she stayed for a drug test, didn't get back to the village to midnight. What's guaranteed? You know, like all the things we know. Yeah. And I just said, that's our strategy. I, I, I'm happy to wear the criticism, but we back everybody in. And, and it was over quickly from that point of view, you know, yeah. move on, nothing to see her. And you got to be prepared to cop that. And, and like you said, when, you know, no one, when I say no one, not many commented on the men's four by one free relay, which probably shouldn't have made the final, let alone win a bronze medal. Like that was an amazing effort for those boys. Mm. Um, but, but on paper going in, we're like, how are we going to get in the final? Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And th- these, these boys stepped up as a group uh, and was amazing. And, um, you know, that was a strategy to try to get them in the final, let alone win a medal. But they just were, they just took over once they, once they got in the final, they're like, yeah, we're going for, we're going for the dais here. You give big Kyle a, a sniff. Yeah. You know, when you got that kind of uh, weapon on the back of your relay, but yeah, now like, you know what it's like. It, 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 it is, it is what it is. I mean, you know, we, we went there with the goal of winning seven medals and seven relays. We still got that goal. That's the goal. It's, it's achievable. We were that close. Yeah. So we're doing it. We did it in Beijing, six for six. I yeah. mean, if we fall short, we fall short. There's nothing wrong with that. But we are capable of winning a, re- a medal in every relay. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, and just on that, um, Beijing, you know, just want to, you mentioned earlier about, um, yeah, it's different when you're the head coach. Uh, you, you, you move on, obviously, quicker to the next event. Uh, What's what was what's the biggest difference? You know, you had a gold medal in with Liesl Jones in two thousand and eight in the hundred breaststroke. Um, talk us through, you know, those two big differences. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I really think, um, like, I prepared myself really well for that moment um, on purpose. Because I didn't want to be, I wanted to be a facilitator of her, her opportunity, you know, her doing performance versus, you know, so I minimized my in- involvement. I, I basically, what I did is I, I always say you coach your athletes the same way you coach them, you know, when you're in season, you know, yeah. because it's really easy when you're in the environment with them to just spend more time and, yeah. you know, and, and all of a sudden you're, you, you, you're trying to do something tricky at the end, uh, you know, so I spent very little time with her outside of training and if I ran into her at the village, but like, it, you know, so it was trying to keep things normal. So for me, that was why well, I wanted to prepare to do that. So I was really, cause it was quite easy as, as you know. Um, so, but, but if we go back to when Lisa come to train with me, I'll never forget, you know, somebody sent me an article Ken Wood did put up that said, Oh, look, she's gone to Taylor. Well, if she doesn't win a gold medal next year, it's, it'll be a failure or something like that. It's like, well, okay, great. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, knew, I knew what was on, but at, but at the same time, it was not about me. And, I, and it wasn't about me. Um, and that's why would I, how I approached it. I always approached it. Um, and it was about uh, 
the one thing, um, it's funny, I was talking to one of the athletes this, this morning with Mick, Mick's group about, you know, um, they did like a, a, an effort and, and before it, it was, it was how, how she felt. I feel this, I feel that. Stop. It's the process. No matter how you feel, you, you execute the process the same way. And I remember with Liesl, a lot of what we talked about early days was, you know, she, she seemed to operate on how she felt. And I was like, you need to be basically a machine. You need to, and that's where we went to Europe and races. You just need to race the race the exact same way every time. So when you get on the blocks under pressure, you, you can be automated in doing that. Yeah. So burying a lot of those cues in there, um, it's like just follow the process and the outcome will be basically representative of where you are, level of fitness, where you are, all those things. So I just, when we went to the Olympics, it was just following very simple processes that we had had in place. Everything was normal. Um, I, I resisted the temptation to, and you, you know, Shannon, you know, the temptation to think ahead of the outcome, like, oh, what if, like, I just would try to stay in the moment and I was in a moment. Uh, quite well there and uh and enjoyed it i really did um you know and i think that's something that stefan had said to me i think in 05 worlds um when danny miyaki has coaching danny in the worlds and then she she won the 50 and i was really nervous before it. And, and i remember stefan saying just put your watches away and enjoy watching it like i thought oh yeah why why, why don't i just do that <laughs> i remember that i was thinking so i did i enjoyed it after it you know it was uh you know, um, it was a big relief for her. Uh, I think uh, it took – she didn't regroup for the two. She just was – I couldn't get her back on track, yeah. um, you know. Um, but she came good for the relay and, and, and produced a really great swim there. And um, But, uh, yeah, I, I really learned a lot about that. I learned a lot about preparing myself, like how important it is, that emotional con contagion yeah. that we have as um, – uh, as coaches on our athletes and how quickly you can, because they'll just watch you and they see any differences. They're going to go, what's going on here? Yeah. That's exactly so, right. Yeah. So for me, it was about, that was my, I felt really good about that, that I, I kept things normal and, you know, I had Reese on there too. And the same with Shane and, you know, just trying to keep things normal. And Shane had taught me a lot about that probably earlier when I think she was on, um, well, she was on the worlds in 07 and it was in Melbourne. And I remember saying, um, oh, do you want me to come? Like I could get, I could come to the training. The staging was in Melbourne. I said, oh, do you want me to come down to the session? She goes, no, no, I don't want you there. You don't need to be there. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I was like, all right. Like, you know, just leave them alone. Let them do their thing and uh, be available, but uh, don't be hovering around. Yeah. Trying to do the normal things in an unnormal environment. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, listen, I want to switch tacks back to the, the head coach role, Rowan, you're at at the moment. We talked briefly off air um, with a lot of movement going on uh, post-Olympics, which, I mean, does happen anyway. <clears throat> it's not unique to this situation, but maybe it's because now I've got a podcast, so I paid more attention to it. But there was a lot of movement going around, coaches moving, swimmers going with coaches. Um, how have you seen that? And, and obviously in your role as the head coach, how have you found everyone settling in? Obviously, we looked at some of the results over the weekend with swimmers, you know, swimming uh, in different caps and, you know, they weren't missing a beat. So clearly it's it's not messing too much with their programming. But how have you seen all of those changes and even checking in with the coaches in their new environment? Yeah, I think so. I think the coach movements had a lot to do with the, the broad, the, like the numbers. 
Um, definitely. You know, you had Chris Mooney going to Bond, um, so leaving the program at USC. Mick moving over to um, USC, bringing basically all, all the WA athletes he coached. Um, you had Chris Nesbitt leading TSS, going to Carlisle. So his group, um, pretty much, I, I don't think anyone's actually gone with him. Maybe Kai Edwards is down there. Um, then you had um, uh, Wayne Laws, who had been the, been the temporary coach at Nutterwadding, um, finish up. And then you had the, you know, your Bowen Golfs, your Matt Temples, and, uh, and your Brendan Smiths, looking at where their options were. So absolutely the coaches moving or shifting around had a lot to do with it. Uh, how did it, how did, how was it? Well, it was quite fun. Um, I, I, I say with my tongue in my cheek, it was, um, yeah, you know, I had a lot of conversations, a lot of, uh, I, I will say this. I think the athletes, um, to their credit took time before they made real decisions. And, 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 and in some, in some instances, they probably didn't need to take time to just do it. But I think it was probably, um, worth them exploring before they made a, a decision. For some, um, and some, I think it was it was, it was pretty pretty no brainer. I mean, you know, Matt Temple was always going to go to Peter Bishop. Uh, you know, when Scott Talbot had left, uh, he would. You know, if COVID hadn't hit, I would have. This is my personal opinion. I would think he, but but Wayne came in and did a great job with him, and you know, um, fantastic job, unbelievable. So, um, but definitely, um, it, it, you just. It's, it's, it's good when you have good relationships with athletes where they feel like they can talk to you openly about their decisions and you can suggest, you know, um, what's your priority? You know, is it environment or is it the standard of coach, the, the, the skill of the coach? What's, what are you looking for? Um, you know, uh, Leah Neal was a really good case. This is prior, prior to this, obviously, but the good example of Leah was, and probably Jess Hansen, Shannon, was probably the two that come to mind that, they made the decision to move to coaches and programs where they were going to be challenged and they were going to have to commit more to what their, their craft. Um, and, and Leah knew going to Vince, she was going to be doing some work. Um, and her choice was for that reason. That was her, I want to go there and do some work. And Jess wanted to go with the, with the best breaststroke technician in the country and, uh, and, and, and experience of, of Shannon because she knew that she needed that. Um, well, she could have stayed in her home environment and, and, and that's when, you know, you, you, and you want to support them. Like, you know, that, and I think I heard a lot of that from the, from the athletes. So no one was like flitting around saying, ah, you know, I want to go where the butterflies are and balloons and, and clowns on the pool deck. <laughs> the flowers. <laughs> the flowers. Yes. Where it's flowery. Magic. Ron, the magic. Ron and, I, Ron and I were uh, probably one of the, I think we'd been on on a development team with Bill Sweetnam and that you know coach group before this, but Rowan and I um, was on the nineteen ninety six. Uh, Bill Sweetnam used to pick um, the top age groupers and uh, the next wave of young coaches coming through, and we'd go into the AOS and spend basically the Olympics, wasn't it? So it was the Atlanta Olympics was on, and we were at the AOS. And Bill came in one of his meetings, and he just had enough of all this flowery power, fuzzy wuzzy swimming sessions, you know, that just went on forever. They were like uh, um, uh, drawn out thesis 
you know, so Rowan and I went in the next day and we rode up like six one thousands or <laughs> no, no, he you know, he said he remember he goes, he goes, 24 one hundreds. That's all you need to do. You can do it a thousand different ways. Six sets of four and eight set three sets of eight and all that. Yeah, so the next day we made an agreement with the coaches, everybody do twenty-four one hundreds. And so everybody, but you do it differently, but do that. Yeah. And then one of the coaches, Marcus, Marcus Ringgit. Yeah, Marcus Ring, he was at the other end of the pool, and Shannon and I went up and drew flowers on his around his <laughs> session. And Bill, Bill came in, Bill came in and goes, Marcus, he's some sort of smart ass. <laughs> and we were pissing ourselves. <laughs> and then he and then anybody realized that we'd done, he walked off. He left, didn't he? Didn't even he just left the session. He just walked out. <laughs> He would just keep you. He would have meetings just to have meetings to keep you up late. Oh yeah. I said, I, I said to him because I, I was a I, I led the Oceana team in 2000, and he was the the lead. And every after every um, final session, I had to have a coaches meeting. He'd sit in the back, and then after the coaches meeting, he he would have a meeting with me in his room over a coffee, and it would go on to like midnight. And I just, my eyes were hanging out of my head. Like, and I said to him, I said, you know, you know, I was talking, I went and had breakfast with my wall back and I was, I was reminiscing on that. I said, you know, you bloody kept me up till midnight, one o'clock. I was absolutely rooted. He goes, I was preparing you for the Olympics. That's what he told me. <laughs> I said, okay, I slept pretty well. The Olympics, I had a lot of sleep. <laughs> I was actually in bed pretty early. <laughs> I wasn't up all night. <laughs> so... No, uh, no, very good. Funny times. Yeah, they were good. Shannon, you mentioned there the um, the juniors and the age group, and it brings me to my next question, Rowan. We've got a lot of young talent coming through. Some that are already on the team. You mentioned Molly O'Callaghan. I mean, she's she's only she's only seventeen. Um, I think people quickly forget that when you see her on the on the big stage, and she's she's smashing it as well as she does. But she's only seventeen. We've got youngsters like Flynn Southam. I think Sam Short and Lizzie Decker's only just missed the team, so they're coming through. And there's a wealth of talent coming through behind that. Are you pretty uh, excited? I didn't want to say optimistic because there's nothing to be optimistic about. It's just get excited because they are coming through. About those young talented swimmers coming through. Clearly, Paris 2024. We're probably going to see a crossroads with some of those young coming in some of the older guys still there you know and then obviously after that they'll probably pass the bat and on and the youngsters will go on to 2028 are you excited about what's coming through yeah i am i think um you know when we look back historically i think my big my big thing for me is is our youth program is critically important particularly those coaches um and and their athletes and uh and making sure that that the states are invested in that with us and that's going on with your flippers programs, things like that, because we know, I mean, Shannon and I were the benefactors of, of, of Bill's tip top program, particularly for coach development. I think uh, the numbers, if they serve me something like, I think there were six of us that were in that Atlanta camp uh, at DIS, six that were on the Beijing team um, or part of Bill's tip top you know, his goal was to get the next generation. He knew if he got the next generation coaches through, he'd bring the athletes through. So I think it's really important that, you know, with those exciting young athletes, the, we, the coaches are, we get them on the journey. So that the emphasis on, and there's so many more opportunities for, for, for junior teams and youth teams now than there ever were. And we got to make sure that those are, are lined up with what, what it takes to be a senior athlete and a senior coach. 
and we've got to try to create as much opportunity. We, we, we had a lot of opportunities to come together as coaches and be around each other for training and learn off each other. And I think that's really important too. Yeah. So, but, you know, the talent always comes. We're very good in this country at developing, at bringing talent through. Like, we, you know, the history's there. Um, what I'd like to be better at is, um, is, is being more designed around, you know, the, those, those top athletes coming through, making sure that we invest and support. And when I say invest, it's not about money, it's time, it's, it's, re, it's, it's, it's experience. And make sure they, they come through and they get to their full potential. Because uh, um, we, we, we probably lost our way a little bit, I think, there for a period of time. And I think we, we definitely um, are, are there now. So, you know, you talk about those athletes and, the, you know, the young girl you mentioned, I think it's 200 fly girl from uh, Trinity. You know, 200 fly, I think I said to you, Shannon, if I, was, if I could coach, I think I said it at Sydney, I said, geez, yeah. if I was on deck coaching, I'd want to be coaching a 200 flyer or a 200 medley center right now. Like, wow, the opportunity is, is, is there. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've got, if you've got a young girl going, what, two eleven, uh, you know, yeah. there's a few of them around that. Like that's, that, it's, it's not taking much to get to two eight real quick. I, I can yeah. tell you. Um, and then when you're two eight, then, you know, then it's about real design approach to get them into the, and, and that's a very weak event internationally. So that excites me. There's so many events that we have that are open. Um, you know, it wasn't that long ago with 400 IMers, you know, we didn't have, we didn't have true 400 IMers. Now we got a couple guys that are actually specialists in the 400 IM. They, they are training for a medley. They're not uh, training like, you know, Tommy was 400 free, 200 free and swam the medley is the best one at it. Yeah. Um, you know, Travis, I coached as a, as a medley swimmer, but he really wasn't a medley swimmer as such. Like, you know, we're talking about they can do, they can do a 200 of every stroke and be pretty, pretty, pretty good at it, even exceptional in a couple of them. So that's exciting to me. Yeah, no, certainly those events um, in Australia, but also the world has been quite shallow in recent years, hasn't it? So, um, yeah, normally when when people see it, (laughs) there's a rush for the door. (laughs) But that's what you want, isn't it? You want a lot of people going for less spots. Yeah, and if you look at the the men's 1500, like, you know, you got Sammy Short, Jack's taking time off now and what he's doing, but um, what is it? 1504 is it FINA qualifying or something like that? Like, yeah. I'm not saying that's easy to do, but, but you know, if you've got a, if you got a, a distance type male swimmer, you know, get into it. You know, we've got the, we've got the, the roadmap to, to, to coach them. Like we've had the best historically, it's not hard to find that information on how to, how did the, how Grant Hackett developed or Perkins or yeah. you know, those, Kowalski, Kowalski. yeah, yeah, they're all there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, and again, it's coach driven. It's going to be coached coaches driving that. And, and I remember um, in Brisbane when we went, uh, we're on that Olympic camp and stuff and um, we were having a, uh, a dinner and that, and you said at that point, you want to do um, for the next Olympiad or Olympics? I think you were mentioning how you wanted to go to just a, a FINA A standard. Is, was that correct? Yep, yep. That's correct. Yeah. Have you got that through? Yes. Yep. So the Olympic trials in twenty twenty four. Oh, we did, no. We, well, I've got to. Re, we've got to review that. I got what I got through was the next two years of FINA A. Okay. And then we'll review what the Olympic trials standards will be. Yep. Now, you know. I think in 2013, we brought in the top eight. 
that that's that kind of standard. And the the idea at the time, or the the purpose was to try to elevate the standard of athletes that were going because we were getting, you know, at the end of the day, making finals and international meets is you know is is is, is your first step to getting close to the podium, as we know. And um, so it was about like getting a team there that was going to really have an impact, like making sure that, that the core group was there. And that, but now Fina is top 12, right? It's 12th. It's uh, okay. 12th off, off that. Um, I think personally, I think, um, you know, athletes want to perform in the top eight and get in the podium, you know, get in that top eight because funding, <clears throat> I think that's a bit the bigger incentive personally. Mm. Um, you know, so um, I'm not sure it actually achieves what, what we set it out to. I'm not sure. I think, you know, we can. And so I, I, I want to revisit it because at the end of the day, you know, um, we had a pretty, we only, we only had a couple people who I think would have, you know, would have probably contributed and, and who knows what they could have done. Um, so, you know, if we had 10 people missing the team and they're kind of like, you know, way out there, you'd say, okay, this is working because we're really getting a core group there. But um, so I want to, we'll see how we go, but I want to revisit it and make sure we make the right decision for, for the Olympics. That's clean and, you know, it's going to get us the best team. And I think Fina, in my mind, should do that. Yeah. Um, the thing that I really want to drive home is um, the, the, the statistics that stand out over the last 20 years and probably further back. But if we look at the last 20 years, is that the athletes that go into the Olympic Games ranked one to five, 83% of all medals come from that group. So you got to, you got to get there. Right. Yeah. And we had, we had six of our seven individual medalists were in that space. Brendan Smith was ranked seventh. So the next 17% of medals come from the majority. I think, uh, I think 14% come from six to eight. And then like we had one, I think one medalist was out. So was that Tunisian boy? I think that won the 400 was out. He was 16th, but pretty much all the medals in Tokyo were one, in the top eight, top five was the bulk. We were 68% of our, we had 22 top fives. So we 68% strike rate. Um, winning a gold medal, 50% of the gold medalists are ranked number one. We had four out of six. We were four for six, so we were 60. So we're above that. And you go, okay, well that, you know, that, that, but if you go back, our best Olympic games, the next best one was Beijing. It was we had 20 top fives and our medal count was up because we converted yeah. Athens and Sydney. They're all would have been very similar, very similar. Mm. And so we, when we have a good games and when we had, didn't have a good games like London, we actually didn't have a lot in the top five. So yes, we didn't have the, the medal. We didn't have a lot, but interestingly enough, Rio, we had 22, the same as Tokyo, but we didn't, we had, we, we got, I think we got, five individual medals in the, in, in the top five. I don't know. It was, it was like a 33% strike. And then you go, okay, so what were we doing? What, what is the convert? How do you convert? And the, it's real simple. You swim on your time within, I think it was a 0.4 of your time or faster. You will convert. Yeah. Like that's, that's what you, that's all you got to do. So if you go double O and you're ranked fifth, and you go to the Olympics and you swim 00 or 59.9, there's an 85% chance you're going to land up on the dials. So to me, if you want to coach an athlete 
on the podium, you need to be thinking about today. If you're, if you're aiming for, if they're close to the Paris, you think about what is it going to meddle in Paris? And it's pretty, we've got statistics that tell us this. You could pretty much work it out. You start tracking your athlete towards that. And, and again, it's about planning and, and bringing them to that point. We can also go out to LA. So if you've got a 14, 13, 14 you know, year, year old who's going to be in their peak at LA, we'll, 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 you know, it doesn't mean you, 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 you wanted them swimming that fast now, but what do you do to track them towards that, right? What are the key things that need to be in place? Um, that, you know, that's, that's kind of a – so having that um, uh, out there and in, 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 in front of our, our coaches who, who have athletes who are going to be on our benchmark teams – it's really important, you know, what are you going there to do? Like the athletes want to, want to achieve, well, we, we need to give them the information and then, you know, the, and kind of the roadmap, I guess, in a sense, to get there. You're trying to get them to see what you can see, you know? Yeah. So, so we have a little bit of an internal um, target of uh, 32 by 32. So if we can grow from 22 top fives to 32 top fives by 2032, and that, that seems reasonable. So if, if we can get, if we can get, 24 at Paris and, and, and 28 by L.A. And then 30, if we have 32 top fives and we convert like we have or even better, like we're going to have a pretty good meet. Mm. And, it, and it's about how do we get 32? Well, 200 butterfly uh, women, uh, you know, go through the events, 100 breaststroke men, four, you know, 200 IM men and women. Well, we have Kay Levy. Like you go through, there's events there that we didn't have top fives in. Well, they're yeah. open opportunities to go back to what we were talking about before. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty exciting when you see it like that. And if we can design our way towards that and help bring a lot of people on for the ride, I think, you know, we, we can get there. Yeah, yeah definitely. Sounds good. Um, I want to. I've got a couple of questions. I know we're a little bit time poor today, even though Shannon and I, can, you know, we talk forever, as we mentioned before. Gee, that's, that hour has gone quick, hasn't it? <laughs> it does. It does. When you're talking minutes. to Shannon, time time goes sure. quickly. I, I used know, to think I it. Know, yeah, much. I used to think it was me. Like I said, oh, you know, me and Shannon when we get together, and then someone go, oh no, no, no. When I talk to Shannon, we talk for two hours on the phone too, and I thought, oh, I stopped feeling special then. But I realised, yeah, Shannon, Shannon can talk. So yeah, we've got a couple of questions to go. One is uh, Shannon and I talk, well, Shannon definitely talks a lot about the Mayor Nostrum tour and we've talked about it on the podcast a lot. Um, is that something where we'd, we'd look to get back to, mate? Obviously with COVID it's been a little bit harder um, with travel and all that sort of stuff. Um, but certainly, what, 20 years ago it was very prevalent with teams going over there from Australia? Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's it's an awesome experience for for athletes and coaches and and particularly if you if you utilize it um you know in a way that that helps accelerate for me it was you know i was fortunate uh, my first monostrum was with gennady tereski and don talbot said you're going with gennady and um you know gennady never spoken to me and like you know um i didn't know him you know and i said well you know well you know Will he will he talk to me? And Don, Don's like, yeah, don't worry, he'll talk to you. Um, he talk he talks more than Shannon and I combined. I reckon he's fantastic. Shared so much knowledge. But I just sat and, and went with him. This is such a great development opportunity. So there's so many pieces to this, and I'll try to make it short. But so that from from my development as a coach to be able to go with a coach who who used that meet so often 
um, is, is priceless. I mean, it is such a great investment for us to do and want to get back to being able to do that as well as world cups. We did world cups and mm -hmm. any of these meet any of these trips where you do multiple competitions in a row and you have to, you have to train, keep the training up, but not too much, but the right amount, but the racing and you get home and you don't lose anything. You've got, and you've advanced the athlete, but Gennardi was, um, I'll, I'll tell a funny story. Casey Gitto, remember Casey? Yeah. Casey Gitto was a, was Tony Shore's 400 swimmer who made the 2000 Olympic team. And uh, she was on the team. She was 16. So this, this is a year before she made the team. And she went over and um, we were at Barcelona. Barcelona, it pulls like iconic and it's just this, it's in the middle of apartment complex. Like you, you, when you first go there, you're like, is there a pool here? Where? And then there it is. And it's like, and it's got this retractable roof that can open and close like a great garage door. Um, anyway, and the, and the pool deck on the side is like, you know, a, a meter wide and it's, you know, you just, it's just cramped, but it's a great little environment. And we, Gennardi and I were before the meet were, were standing there and he was talking to the group. He says, you know, I'll try to put my Russian accent, but basically he's saying you you've been training. Training is like driving on the freeway with no traffic. You're cruising along, you're playing with the radio, you've got your arm out the window. He said, very relaxed, you know? He said, competition is like driving on the freeway, lots of traffic, cars beeping, cutting you off. You grab the wheel and you go like this. He said, no, 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 you need to stay relaxed. And, you know, and I said, oh, okay. And I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? You know, at the time. <laughs> so, so fast forward. It's the final of the, the 200 free. Casey Gitto had gone like 201 in the morning and made the final. And the and the marshalling in Barcelona is like you just stand at the end of the pool in the corner. Yeah. Like, there's no marshal. It's just standing there milling around. And Mel Marshall was in that final too, remember? I was telling her the story. Anyway, Casey's leaning up against the post with her arms crossed like this, with her legs crossed, looking, watching all these girls swinging their arms, getting ready. And it, it, all of a sudden I've gone, yes. I turned to Gennady and said, Gennady, Casey's on the freeway and there's a lots of traffic. And he goes, yes, she will crash. <laughs> and she went 206 and she went 206. And I, I was like, anyway, and he used to, he never called her Casey. He was, he was Tracy, Stacy. So she come up and he goes, Stacy, come here. And she goes, it's Casey. Yes, Tracy. Yes. <laughs> he was fantastic. Like with Clemmy at Monaco doing the, 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 the knockout fifties, so yeah. 99, he had Klimi doing the, and it was against Peter Van Hoogenman, actually. They, so they had the heat of the 50s, and Klimi had to do 16 strokes and so a stroke rate, and, and, and he had to practice his first 50 of the 100 fly to break the world record. And he was swimming this, and he did it, the heat, the quarter, the semi, and then the final, he, 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 he did 18 strokes and, and won it, and he came back all happy that he won it, and Gennady just tore strips off him. You're supposed to swim, you've got to be disciplined, you're practicing to break the world record. You've got to do this. So using the meat yes. for a purpose. And that's what I got out of that. Um, and then to answer your question, I think for my development, the, the fact that when I went back to Mar Nostrums after that, about it being purposeful, about using the racing with purpose, trying to get better each meet, keeping the volume up, but not the intent. So making sure that they got back home with basically probably swum a little bit more than they normally would in a training week. And just basically not making it easy for them, but, but, but my coaching got better because you coach, you really work with the athletes. There's no distractions. And, you, you know, Barcelona, but remember that hotel we stayed in? It was like a bloody corner. Like the rooms were like, like a triangle. 
<laughs> and the food they're serving they us put like the toilet in there. You're serving us French fries and mayonnaise and all this. Oh, that was in Canet, but but Canet pool, the wind's whipping through it like 50, yeah. 60 kilometers an hour. And then you go to Monaco and it's like you're staying in a five-star hotel and the, the pool, everything's pristine. It's so different. Yeah. And and the travel, you know, you're on buses with people or off flights. And yeah, I remember sitting between Popoff and Pankratov going to uh, uh, Monaco uh, from uh, from Canet. We flew into the and um, they got out and got on a helicopter with Klimi and flew in the helicopter to Monaco. We were in Nice and we had to take the bus. But I'm sitting between these two legends of the sport yeah. and they're talking in Russian and then talk. Pankratov didn't speak English and then he would ask a question and Alex would translate and I was like, when you translate, do you think about it in Russian and turn it in English? He goes, no, I just hear it. Like, it was really fascinating. I remember yeah. I was like, how good is this? Like, so for coach development, it's absolutely a must. World Cups, uh, yeah, there's so many good things about it. And plus, build, you build networks and relationships with people around the world. It's fun. It's fun too. You you intrinsically just learn so much about not just swimming but how people behave when things get thrown a curveball gets thrown and it gives you an insight that if you hadn't been there you would have only found out that at the major so it gives you it gives you an opportunity uh to develop that side of the person that they're going to need at that major part of the meet yeah yeah exactly so you mentioned barcelona um just want to uh, before we go, a uh, quick shout out to congratulate Ben Titley and uh, Sean Kelly. I read this morning um, Ben's off to Barcelona. Yeah, I saw that. New gigs, yeah. Yeah, it's great. So which facility do you know? Uh, is it, well, it's in, is it, uh, it starts with C. Kayala. Is it Kayala? No, it's not Kayala. Where's okay. um, my phone? It's not Car, is it? It's not the. No, that's the one that's up in. Um, that's near Sabadell. Yeah. Because uh, Sean's the head coach there, isn't he? Or the, is it the NTC? NTC, that's right. Okay, yeah. C U G A T. What's that? Sangutat. Sang is it? How do you pronounce it? I'm not Spanish. I, yeah, I was just going to say the same thing, right? <laughs> oh, hang on. Thank you, Gat. Cougat. Yeah, Cougat. Okay. Thank you, Gat, at the NTC there in Barcelona. Oh, that's good. Um, Olaf uh, Wilderbor's there. Oh, okay. Oh, yes, yep. Son. Yeah. yep, yep. Okay. So, no, nah, very, hey, hats off to Spain. That's right. And um, you mentioned Bill, and I know, you know, you and I were um, in that group of coaches in the 90s. And then when Bill went to British Swimming, Sean and um, Ben were in that same same setup, but in British Swimming. Yep, that's right. Yeah, so. All right, boys. Now, listen, I think we're going to have to wrap things up uh, for this week. Uh, Rowan, I want to thank you very much for, for taking some time. I know you're pretty busy, mate. You've always got some um, meetings or planning stuff going on. You're doing some coaching, as you said, still. I'm, I'm doing just... coaching. I need to, I need to keep my, keep my uh, fingers, watch, watch fingers going. I was going to ask you, what does your week look like? But we'll have to say that for another day. 
Yeah, we'll have to get you back on because I had questions about you two on teams as well. And I mean, we touched on some funny stories there, but I reckon there'd be a lot more uh, f funny stories in there as well. So we'll definitely have to do this again, Rowan, mate. But thank you very much for, for coming on, um, sharing some great knowledge. I definitely wrote down a, a few different stuff that you were mentioning there. And hopefully, we always talk, Shannon and I, about this podcast is really professional development for coaches listening um you know that way we don't have to always get in seminars and zoom meetings they could just click it on in the car and away they go and yeah, i definitely yeah. think they could have uh, got a lot out of of this podcast if they were paying attention and, and really listening in so thank you very much mate for spending some time with us now privileged to be here and uh look um happy to come back on it'd be good good to do this this again i, I enjoy it so taking the time just to chat you know, it's, as, as you said, things are flying by at a million miles an hour. Sometimes it's just good to sit and, and chat about things. So i um, happy to do it just any time. Just yell out, please. You know, that'd be great. And like you say, time is moving. Um, I was talking with Peter Bishop on the weekend and he said, it, well, we're three years out. I said, no, no, we're two. <laughs> two. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, Yes. No, um, I think just even having kids and you two know this, um, yeah, just watching my daughter, she's nearly four and it wasn't that long ago she wasn't even born yet. So time yeah. does fly very, very quickly. Thank you to all the listeners for lis uh, listening in. Sorry, again this week. Um, we'll come to you again next week. Maybe a special guy. I don't know. Shannon and I, when we log off this one, we'll plan something for next week. We've, we've started to get more uh, on off the cuff, haven't we, Shannon? We're certainly not as planned as we used to be. We used to have like a 10-page thing. Like, oh, this is where we're going now. Just, what are we doing this week? I don't know. Let's have a list. Let's work it out. So uh, to all the listeners, listen in next week. Something's going to happen. We'll definitely be on. So uh, have a great weekend, and we'll see you all next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ryan.